World War I and World War II are notorious wars. Opposing forces would be separated by landmines, barbed wire, and bodies called no man's land. To ensure that they are protected and not in the wide open, they would build trenches. Someone say trenches. Trenches were long corridors dug into the ground that soldiers could duck in and out of to be covered from enemy fire, as well as to fire at their enemies. A soldier would only raise their head to fire their gun. It took bravery to be on the front line in the trenches. Soldiers would eat, sleep, and fight from inside the trenches. Rain, sleet, snow, or shine, soldiers fought and even lived their lives in the trenches in hopes of winning the war. But these trenches, they sincerely were a miserable place. The gray smoke-filled skies, brown muddy dirt, and assorted green camouflage were the only color you see for days. However, sparks of red from enemy gunfire would relentlessly burst through the gloomy dark color scheme. And remember those dark gray smoke-filled skies? They provided a pleasant smell compared to the never-ending stench of one's dead comrade that littered the battlefield. Bombs that go off all around as soldiers squirm to try to get comfortable in a hole. But only bravery and pride for one's country leads the soldiers to raise their guns and to keep fighting. Imagine hearing the screams and nonstop gunfire. Dirt rains from the sky from the onslaught of explosions. Imagine the numbness you feel in your hand from the grip you have on your gun and from the coldness in the air. But despite the horrors of war, hope pierces your heart knowing that you can still win the war. It's really hard to adequately describe what life was like in war. And oh, the realities and tragedies of war are unique only to war. Spiritual warfare is very similar, and we are in a war. Someone say war. We are surrounded by the spirit of this age that says good is evil and evil is good. Culture demands the collapse of authority. People turn to drugs, alcohol, and fornication to escape reality. Everyone's opinions have become their own reality. Some want tolerance, but aren't willing to be tolerant of others. People turn to non-Christian leaders for liberty. Social media, which once connected many, now divides them. A biblical family unit is viewed as taboo and senseless. Culture declares that the church is archaic and should shut down or at least compromise. The culture of this age is at war with the church. And this spiritual war's casualties are those of unrepentant souls. And that's what's going on in the culture in the world. But I can also talk about the trenches that you and I are fighting from in our own lives. All of us are doing our best to live for God, but some days it feels like we're losing the war. But I want to give you a spoiler alert tonight because I've already looked in the last chapter of this book. We win. War is going on all around us. Yes, the foyer and the altar area are small. Yes, we launched a 100 soul revival the week before this pandemic. Yes, there have been unmet expectations. There's been months of decrease in conversions. Some people that have been born again haven't stayed. Yes, everything isn't ideal, but God is fighting for us. You are making a difference in the kingdom of God. So Atlanta West, today I say, hold the line. Hold the line. We are winning and we will win this war. We will not give up. We're going to keep leading. We're going to keep reaching for souls. And this book is full of promises that even though war wages on all around us, we are not victims. We are victors. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but we are not destroyed. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. What shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us?
Nothing can separate us from the love of God. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else can separate us from his love. And we know that the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God told Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Atlanta West, God has brought us this far and he is not through with us yet. The church is still the best thing going on in this city. Yes, war is waging all around us, but we will win. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep loving. We're going to keep submitting. We're going to keep reaching, sacrificially giving, growing, praising, worshiping, evangelizing, and discipling. And if you believe that we're going to win the war, can you stand to your feet, clap your hands, and lift your voice? There is a war going on, but we will win. Someone say, we will win. But how are we going to do it? With the craziness of COVID-19, the division in the world for the racial issues and the social justice issues, the financial difficulties, it feels like the world's gone crazy. How are you and I going to win this war? Someone look to your neighbor and say, together. Together. If you would turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 19, if you have your Bibles, you can say amen. amen. If you're going to cheat and look at the screen, say amen. Amen, amen. I love honesty. <laughs> Verse 19, it says, now therefore you are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Someone say the household of God. Household. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building fitly Framed together. Someone say fitly framed together. Groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Together we make the body of Christ. We make this holy temple together because we are better together. We are fitly framed together. Verse 22, in whom you also are builded together. This is the purpose. For a dwelling place of God through his spirit. Though we are in the trenches and though war is going on all around us, We're going to win this war because we are fitly framed together. Look to your neighbor and say fitly framed together. Amen. You may be seated. Look to someone else and say fitly framed together. So if you're into Bible trivia, the word together is in the King James Version 484 times in 464 verses. So obviously together is a very important idea to God. And it is vital to our spiritual success. We are better together. And according to Paul in his letter to the church in Ephesus, the Ephesians, we are fitly framed together. I like what Brother Gurley said in reference to me versus we in the Bible. He said, Romans 8 doesn't say if God is for me, then who can be against me? It declares if God is for us, if God is for we, because we are better together. 
When the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray, he didn't say, my Father, which art in heaven. He said, our Father, because it's a collective. It's a we, not me. 1 John 1, 7 declares that the blood of Jesus purifies us when we walk in the light, because we need each other. 3,000 were filled at the end of Acts chapter 2 because the 11 apostles stood together with Peter. And then they continued. Someone say they. They continued together in the apostles' doctrine. The 12 tribes of Israel worked in harmony together to follow the presence of God through the wilderness to the promised land. In reality, we need each other. We are better together. Paul declares it. We are fitly framed together. So to understand what that means, we have to go deeper into the book of Ephesians and kind of understand the theme of what Paul was writing about. Paul loved to talk about our unity together and our collective unity with Christ. In chapter 1, Paul highlights that Christ is the head over the corporate church. In Ephesians 2, Paul declares that we are built together for the presence of God to dwell. Where two or three are gathered together, he is in the midst of them. Then in chapter 3, he continues on this idea of unity. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes understanding and knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. We love that scripture that God can do more than we can even imagine or fathom. He can do exceeding abundantly. But that only happens when it's we and not me. It's about us. There's an individual responsibility to make that happen, to make the corporate blessing happen in a unified church. We are called to be fitly framed together. And when we are, the power of God is revealed. Ephesians 4 also develops this concept of unity. In verse 1, we are called to walk worthy of our calling. In verses 2 and 3, we are called to forbear one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the faith. He calls for unity, not uniformity. Though we're all different, we all have different life back up, upbringings and such, he still calls for unity. I love what Brother Joel preached a few months ago about forbearing one another. You need to go back and listen to it. Because we can't let our differences divide us. But to forbear one another, according to what Brother Joel's message, is to have the spirit of meekness and gentleness. This is a great portion of the Bible to go and do some self-reflection on. And then we love Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were one. You were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord. Someone say with me. One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Not in just you. We love the oneness of God. We know that there's only one God. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. But where we fell is being one with each other. So we need to improve on our oneness as a corporate body. Verse 16, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. We want the church to grow. It happens together. Because there is a corporate blessing in unity. But there's also an individual responsibility. And our individual responsibility is found in verse 25. Putting away lying. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry. Do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give place to the devil. 
So in other words, the devil dwells in disunity. God dwells in unity. The devil dwells in disunity. In verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. In other words, if you don't got nothing good to say, don't say nothing at all. Mama was on to something, huh? She read Paul's letter before. Verse 30, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That's chapter 4. Chapter 5 opens with the command to be imitators of Christ, walking in love, just as Jesus loved the disciples. And then the last chapter of Ephesians, chapter 6 Paul, through the Holy Spirit's inspiration, writes that we are in a war and that we should put on the whole armor of God and that we can win the war, but we're only going to do it together. Someone say together. Together. All of these great principles really come from our our main verse that we are fitly framed together. Ephesians 2.19 says, Now therefore you are no more strangers or foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We've talked before about the difference between a house and a hotel See, my relationship with Natalie is very different than the hotel we just stayed at in St. Louis. In St. Louis, it was like 6 a.m., and all of a a sudden, I thought a lion was getting beat or something because I heard a little kid screaming, and apparently, he was running around the room, and his mom was going to town on Buddy. She was spanking him because he did something wrong. And now, if it was my house, I'd be like, hey, we're sleeping. Be quiet. But since it's not my house, I didn't do that because at a hotel, there's not a relationship there. We don't strive for unity. We don't strive to try to get along. We don't eat dinner together. But at my house, if there's some issue between my wife and I, what do we do? We have to discuss it. And so this isn't a hotel of God. This is the house of God. And our brothers and sisters in Christ, there shouldn't be disunity because that's where Satan dwells. But if we want revival, if we want a harvest, then we have to realize that we are fitly framed together. Well, let's make it practical. Last year sometime, Ryan gave me some advice about my sermon, Ryan Johns. Now, if you don't know, he's our production guy. He's a worship leader. He's not a licensed minister. He ain't even a preacher. Now, he's done a children's service a few years back, but he ain't a preacher. And he comes and tells me how to do my job preaching. Now, I could have had the attitude, stay back there and and run sound and do all that and then worship lead. But this little area, this is mine. You don't don't come up here. All right. But then I wouldn't have improved speaking. He told me, hey, you're talking too fast. If you don't believe him, then go back four years ago when I first came and I'd be like. You thought it was tongues in after service. You just waiting for the the interpretation, the rest of the altar call. Is God going to speak or what's going on? And he made me a better preacher because I learned to just slow down. Now, I could have the attitude, he he looks different than me. Our hairs are different. I love you. Our color's different. Everything's different. He can sing way better than I can. Thank God. Because he's our worship leader. But instead... Because I listened and I had a mirror instead of just a magnifying glass trying to look at him and how he was saying it or dissecting his tone or his intentions or motives. I just said, you know what? There's some truth in that. Maybe I can grow. He isn't trying to be hurtful. He is trying to be helpful. 
So don't act like you can do it lone wolf. You can take the biggest and hottest coal from a fire. And when you take it out, it will die. So it doesn't matter how big and bad you think you are. You need each other. Why do you think lions attack gazelles when they're fighting against each other? Because the gazelles are too busy fighting against each other. They don't even realize the lions not even prowling, just walking up and then snatches one of them. And that's exactly what the devil does. When me and you, we start arguing against each other. I don't like how you did that or you said that different or you did that bad. And all this clamoring and complaining and stuff, we start going at each other. There's this unity. And when there's this unity, the devil dwells there. And so Ryan and I are different. We look different. We have different callings and giftings. But you know what? We are better together. We are fitly framed together. And you can understand me a little bit better because we were together. There's also 59 one another's in the Bible that help us to learn how we're supposed to conduct ourselves in this household of God. No building is thrown uh, is made by just throwing the bricks together at random. It's not an accident in how they put them together. It is purposeful. And if you start pulling those bricks away, the structure gets weak. Other bricks will fall and it won't be a suitable place for people to dwell. If you start pulling pieces of the wall out, the structure, then this is going to collapse on us and we can't dwell here. So the building has to be fitly framed together for a purpose. So what is this purpose? You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also builded together. Someone say together. We're probably going to say it 50 more times, so just get used to saying together. Someone say it again, together. In whom you are also builded together for a dwelling place of God through the Spirit. The reason we're fitly framed together is because when we are together, His Spirit dwells there. No wonder why the presence of God fell in Acts chapter 2 when 120 got together in one accord. David wrote in Psalms 133, 1, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. In order for his presence to dwell where we are, in order for lives to be changed, we have to be together. Where two or three are together, he is in the midst of them. There is a corporate blessing in unity. But there's also an individual responsibility. So today, you and I can choose disunity where Satan dwells, or we can decide unity where Christ dwells. Our individual responsibility is to keep unity so God can do what he wants to do in our lives and in this church. Look to your neighbor and say, fitly framed together. Look at how far we've come, Atlanta West, when we've been together. We've seen hundreds receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We've seen hundreds baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. People have felt the call of God on their lives in this church. Why? Because we have been together. And in order for us to see the future that God has for us, it's going to happen because we are together. We're going to make it and we're going to win this war. But the only way it's going to happen is together. Because when we are together, his spirit dwells there. And where his spirit is, there is liberty. Chains fall. Fear bows. Lives are healed. Hope is found. Jesus changes everything. So you need Jesus in your marriage. You need Jesus in your situation. Then how about getting together? Your marriage has been broken. Well, why not get together? Because where two or three are gathered, he is in the midst of them. We want to harvest we want a revival then we have to get together 
I'll say it in English. If we want a revival, we have to get together. We can't be in silos ministry. It can't be that's children's church and this is big boy church. No, we are together. We need each other. You need me and I need you. The Sunday school teachers need the media team. The media team needs the ushers. The ushers need the music team. The music team needs the church cleaners. The church cleaners needs the preachers. We need each other. We're in this together. You are not alone. You're my brother. You're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will work until he comes. There is no foe that can defeat us when we are walking side by side. As long as there is love, we will stand. War is happening, but the only way we're going to make it through is together. Together. Earlier this year, we talked about it. We had a miscarriage. I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for friends of our family. Long talks because of COVID, six feet apart in driveways. But thank you for helping heal me. I wouldn't have been the man today if it wasn't for us together. We are better together. So today, we have to keep that in our mind, that we are fitly framed together to do great things for God. Earlier, we discussed trench warfare. It took digging and building for them to win the war. That's hard work. Someone say, that's hard work. But they didn't just build those trenches randomly. They built them with a purpose. And their purpose was to be together. See, trench warfare is very different because it seems stagnant. You don't really advance a lot. It's in a low and hard place. That hard place becomes your home for months. You don't just get to run forward because you need to dig another hole in a tunnel to get to the next spot. It is said that a foxhole is never done and that it must be continually improved and maintained. Can you come up here real quick? Can you come up here, Brother Scott? Come up here real quick. Yeah, come on. Yeah, please. Put your mask on too, please. Ooh, you're going to go to jail. (laughs) Come up here. Now, trenches, they were socially distant, so I need you to stand over here. I need you to stand over here. All right, let's say we're in a war. Come up a little bit. Like, we got to be in line. In line, there, in line. There we go. The enemy's over there, not these people. These are great people, handsome and pretty people. The enemy's just above them, okay? You got your rifle? You know how to shoot. You know how to shoot? All right, we know how to shoot. All right, get your rifle. There you go. All right, which way? Now, you can't shoot that way. Because if you, if you shoot that way, that means the enemy now can see you and they can shoot you back. And so they created these things in World War II called traverse trenches. Everyone say traverse trenches. What they would be is they, would, they were cut into 45-degree angles. So instead of you shooting straight, you could shoot this way, you could shoot that way, you could shoot that way, and you could shoot this way. That means you don't know if someone's running up on you to shoot you or to kill you. So you know what that means? Scary, huh? Exactly. Because I can look this way, and I can look that way. So if I want to stay alive, it's not in me popping my head up for the enemy to see me. It's actually in me looking to my neighbor and saying, let me keep him alive. Because as long as he's alive, 
His gun is raised and he can shoot the people that's trying to come at me because they realize that when you're shooting by yourself in a hole, that you are an easy target for the enemy. But when you're fitly framed together, when he's working with me and I'm working with him, then all of a sudden great things can happen and there is no enemy that can stop us. Nothing can come against a unified church. Nothing can stop you and your family when you work together, when you're fitly framed together. Your job is to keep the next person alive. Well, they're Democrat. Well, they're Republican. Are you a Christian first? Well, then my job is to keep you alive. Well, he's black and he's white. I don't really care because as long as they're alive, I'm alive. Well, one is smart, one is dumb, one is new in church, one's older in church. It doesn't matter. We are better together. So as long as I keep him alive, as long as I keep him alive, I can live. And so I fight for my brother. I fight for my sister. I fight for this church. Why? Because we are better together. And where his spirit is, there is liberty. We are a multicultural. Look around you. Look around you. In that video, there was an African national group. That was beautiful. That was amazing. There's people from all different tribes and nations and tongues in this room. We are very multicultural. Our classes, who makes what, is very different. We're also very multi-generational. You see older people and you see younger people. And we're reaching for the next generation. And if we're going to do it, The only way we're going to do it is by doing it together. I think that just clicked in someone's mind. Someone say together. When Brother John's got here 25 years ago, he didn't try to be Superman by himself. This guy is next to Brother Bernard as the greatest leader in all of history. Honestly, he is incredible. The things he does, I think he's a cyborg. I think he plugs in at night and recharges. He is incredible. But even with his talent and ability, he's known all over the world literally all over the world and you have him here that's incredible but even with all that he came here one of his first few messages was i'm not super pastor this is team ministry because he understood and i've learned since being here that we are better together that when i'm struggling i don't have to come to church and sit on my pew by myself but I can lean over to Bo Johnson and I can cry on his shoulder because my grandma died. When my wife is struggling with a miscarriage, she can go to people like Tessa and Sister Johns and they can impart into her and love her and encourage her. Why? Because we are better together. We can make it together. Kevin received the Holy Ghost last week. That wasn't just me. That was Ryan and the photography small group. That was Bo encouraging him. That was Larry Davy taking him out to eat. We are in this together. And when we're together great things happen we can win the war can you stand right now so what does that mean some people need to have a tough conversation with someone else a matthew 18 conversation where we forgive and we apologize some people need to leave their gift at the altar and go and make it right with their brother or sister in christ some people need to get rid of their pride and their ego by submitting and working together with this church to be a laborer in the harvest get off the sidelines god is coming back soon the harvest is great and the laborers are few why don't you get together with the mission 
We are called to lead people to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and develop them into fully devoted followers of him. And we can't do it alone. We need each and every one of you. Each and every one of you. Some people need to close their mouths and stop talking negative about other people behind their back. Gossip needs to end. Judging needs to end. Because if we keep doing that, if we keep having disunity, that's where Satan dwells. But when there's unity, when we're fitly framed together, that's when that hundred soul revival wall is going to be filled. That's when people are going to keep getting baptized. That's when ministries are going to keep growing. And if you want to see us win this spiritual war, you don't want your family or loved ones to go to hell. Why don't you raise your hands right now and let's cry out to God that we are going to be in this together. That's it. Lift your voice right now.